You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host Kate Agnew and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. Today we've got Dr. Michael Leverett joining us. So Michael is a senior lecturer in nutrition and dietetics in the School of Human Movement and Nutrition Sciences at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia. Michael's research findings provide an insight into how health professionals can best deliver nutrition care to improve health and exercise performance. And Michael has co-authored over 80 articles in peer-reviewed scientific journals and has been invited to speak at national and international conferences in the past. So today, Michael's on the show to discuss his sports nutrition research and to provide an insight into how dietitians can get into the sports nutrition area. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Kate. So let's start off by discussing your current research. Can you tell us about this and also can you tell me about your current role at UQ? Uh, so I'm a senior lecturer here at UQ in nutrition and dietetics and I am involved in research in probably two main areas. I'm, I'm interested in uh, nutrition and primary care and how we actually uh, help patients with or at risk of chronic disease to actually eat better and improve their health through food and nutrition. I'm also interested in sport and exercise uh, performance and how we how we can understand um, how best to assist athletes to eat well so that they can optimise their performance in in sport and competition but also just in, in overall sort of exercise and, and functional tasks. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about your current project with the Brisbane Broncos? Yeah, so we've been uh, fortunate as a university of the whole. We we've, we've have a partnership with the Brisbane Broncos, so that's really exciting. We, we certainly see the Broncos as being uh, one of the leaders in their field um, in professional sport in Australia, and we feel we're one of the leaders in, um, in education, tertiary education in Australia. So we think it's a, a really good partnership and the Broncos have partnered with us in sports nutrition specifically to really try and understand how best to support their athletes to, to eat well and maximise performance. So the first phase of that project is we've got a PhD student, Dean Panningbatten, who's a sports dietitian and, and he's involved in in understanding, first off, how do we actually measure, um, you know, high performance nutrition behaviours? So we're developing a tool that can actually measure whether or not an athlete's eating well and and doing things right with their food and nutrition. And then Dean's looking at the the whole system to understand how do we actually best intervene. So is it through education? Is it through uh, food service? Is it through um, one-on-one advice? You know, how is it actually best to, to improve the uh, nutrition behaviours of the athletes? And then one of the things we also really want to do with that is to 
is to build up a bit of a database. I think one of the challenges we have in sports nutrition is is showing how nutrition in practice actually makes a difference. So we want to um, we want to use some metrics about how um, nutrition related indices actually match up with things like injury rates and how well the athletes are sleeping, how well they're performing on the field, the different components of their fitness, uh, so that we've got a bit of a, um, you know, an evidence base through which to make decisions on what we do in regards to the nutrition education program, but also so that we can demonstrate how effective some of the uh, nutrition practices um, in that setting. So that's really what we're doing. We we kind of think that you know being one step ahead of the game, if you like, where we're actually um, using those measurements directly in that in that setting with the Broncos, we'll be able to assist them to to perform better than other rugby league clubs. Yeah, that's really interesting, Michael. So that leads me to my next point. Um, what is the latest research telling you regarding how food choices can help athletes maximize their performance, both for individuals and for groups? Um, <clears throat> so if we want to look at latest research, I think one of the things that we don't do enough of in sports nutrition is is understand how best to translate some of our findings. So particularly in the area of uh, sports supplements and ergogenic aids, we've got pretty good knowledge base on how that different supplements impact on performance. But what we don't know so much about is how to actually translate that and make sure that um, that actually happens in practice. So um, some of the research is really understanding you know, understanding the system, understanding the setting, understanding the context, how athletes interact with coaches, strength and conditioning professionals and other sports scientists and, and how, how all of those things go into influencing what is actually done in terms of nutrition. Okay. Um, and I think the other thing as well that we're really finding out is that in sports nutrition there isn't necessarily a one-size-fits-all. So we know that, that different athletes respond um, differently to to various nutrition interventions, whether they be manipulations to macronutrient intake or whether they be um, sports supplements and ergogenic aids. We know that some people are uh, are responders and and not so much uh, other people don't respond quite so well to various interventions. So I think some of the some of the research needs to be. Um, you know, done in the context of in individual athletes and user research sort of mindset when when evaluating whether or not different practices are effective. I just thought um, about caffeine and BCAAs just then. Is that an example of what you mean by different response to different, I guess, uh, nutrients? Yeah, definitely. So we we know, particularly with caffeine, something I've done a lot of research in over the years. We know when Whenever we do a caffeine study, um, we we publish a paper and we say that on average you get a, around about a two or three uh, percent improvements in your performance. But when you look at the individual um, participants' responses, you probably see about eighty percent of participants improve their performance when they have caffeine. But there's there's two in every ten that that don't seem to improve their performance. So if we go in with a blanket um, message that caffeine is going to improve everyone's performance and then the two athletes out of 10 that, that don't respond, you know, don't see any evidence that it is improving their performance, then we, we, we start to lose 
rapport and respect in that in that context. So I think we've got to be acutely aware that there are individual differences in how people respond to different interventions in sports nutrition and and it's really a very similar approach to to overall healthcare. We need to we need to make our sports nutrition practice athlete centered. In healthcare we call it patient centered, but we need to we need to make it athlete centered so that we are responding and recognizing the different needs of different different athletes. Okay, so Michael, how do you think we can do that? Uh, well, I think that we really need to first of all build good relationships with athletes. So we need to understand and know the athlete before we start giving any advice. I think that's really important. Um, I think in terms of sports nutrition, I think it's really important to understand the roles of all the other professionals involved in supporting an athlete. So understanding the role of the coach, understanding the role of the sports doctor, the sports science, strength and conditioning coaches and building rapport um, with them and sharing information so that you really understand um, first before you start advising and, and wanting to change things. So, you know, even just simple things like understanding how training loads are measured, understanding how uh, different aspects of performance are measured, understanding, you know, what are the what are the things that indicate whether or not somebody is responding to different forms of, of training or nutrition interventions. And then, you know, that understanding and building the relationship with the individual athletes will then allow you to to tailor the nutrition interventions to meet their needs. So in your opinion, what or where are the gaps in sports nutrition research at the moment, apart from, of course, that um, personalization that we were discussing? Yeah, I think personalization, I think the translation aspect, um, how do we actually translate what we already know? Um, I think there's big gaps in in um, understanding macronutrient um, vari- variations. Um, I think we're starting to see that um, you know, big big swings in macronutrient intake. So um, athletes going down the path of of having very low intake of carbohydrate and how that impacts on their adaptation to training and their overall performance. I think we're seeing that that some athletes really respond well to that. Other athletes um, are not so so good at responding to that. The actual evidence base we have for for you know large manipulations in macronutrient intake isn't isn't particularly strong so uh, particularly in the team based uh, sports so really understanding a bit more about how people respond to different macronutrient ratios and how that how that ultimately impacts on improved performance i think we we also really probably need to understand how uh, some of those new nutrition manipulations in training that might be driving certain adaptations to training, how that actually translates into improved uh, performance as measured on the field of play. Um, so we seem to be quite good in a laboratory at, at seeing how changes occur in muscle in response to different nutrient manipulations, but whether or not that actually translates into performance on the field and and maybe it's a bit more complicated in that you you might need to have certain macronutrient ratios for certain types of training periods and then switch that around when it comes to the competitive season um, I think we need to sort of understand a bit more about about how to do that and how how different athletes respond to that uh, okay yeah that's really interesting and you're talking about outcomes there as opposed to 
um, like when you were talking about lab work versus field work. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, Michael, you're an accredited practicing dietitian and I understand you completed your PhD in exercise physiology. Um, so, what are the potential benefits of going back and completing a master's or PhD in ex-phys in addition to one's dietetic qualification? Um, I, I look, I think it's really valuable, if you, particularly if you're looking at working in sports nutrition. I, I actually did it the other way around in that I, I became, I did my PhD in exercise physiology and then uh, came back and to do the Masters in Nutrition and Dietetics. So I sort of got the reverse qualification there. But it was, I think, really good for me when I... Um, when I went and studied dietetics, I'd had experience of working in um, in a sport environment um, and and sort of understanding how athletes train, the roles of different professionals, understanding particularly how perform exercise performance is measured. Um, I think that's a real benefit of um, of study in exercise physiology. So you can really um, you know the tools to use to monitor the effectiveness of your nutrition interventions. I think that's that's really important. Um, it's it's no small undertaking, obviously, doing a PhD, but it certainly it was it's certainly an advantage for me. I think I get uh, I get to see both sides of the story. I guess I can see some of the limitations as a dietitian working in sport, and I see some of the limitations of of uh, sport physiologists working in and around some nutrition-related aspects. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate in that I can sort of have a background in both sides of things and, and I, I find that good when I'm relating to the different uh, different professionals or sort of working in that sports science team. Yeah, great. I really wanted to know a little bit more about that and you've really answered my question there because, I, you know, I've met a few dietitians who did both at the same time. So for current APDs who are looking to expand their scope of practice to, to sports nutrition, what steps do they need to take? Um, well, the Sports Dietitians Australia is probably the peak uh, professional organisation to, uh, to really get involved in. So even if you're a, a student dietitian, you can become a student member of Sports Dietitians Australia and they have fantastic professional development opportunities they have an accreditation pathway and sports nutrition is really nice here in Australia and in Queensland where I live in that it's a relatively small community um, you know maybe I'm biased but I think everybody's nice and friendly and and very willing to support and encourage and mentor um, students and new graduates sort of coming through so so there's regular meetings that are run through the the state branch of, of Sports Dietitians Australia. So that's certainly um, an avenue to to uh, upskill, to network and to really learn about where the opportunities are in terms of sports nutrition. Um, in terms of expanding scope of practice, there's the there's a learning and networking and developing aspect, but the other the other thing is to to get involved. So there's there's always plenty of opportunities to even start by volunteering with different sporting organisations and and you never know where some of that actually leads to sports nutrition I think is is a bit different from other aspects of nutrition practice in that it's often done outside of hours so um, 
you know, athletes are usually training early mornings and late evenings, competing on the weekends. So, so you do need to spend a bit of your 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 own time uh, getting involved. And and my experience with sports nutrition, it's certainly not a nine to five job. Um, so don't expect um, don't expect that to be the the situation. But if you are interested in sports nutrition, I think some of those early mornings and weekends are, are really you know, interesting and rewarding and, and great experiences actually seeing seeing how athletes uh, improve and perform and compete uh, better as a result of your nutrition input. Thanks for that, Michael. So how can dietitians or sports dietitians stay up to date with the latest evidence-based guidelines in sports nutrition? Um. Well, at Sports Dietitians Australia is probably the the best sort source for professional development. Um, obviously, keeping up to date with the latest research through your journal databases, subscriptions to to various journals. There's there's dedicated sports nutrition journals out there. I, I personally think one of the best ways to stay um, up to date is your your capacity to network so so knowing different people most of the top sports nutrition practitioners here in australia are often active researchers as well so understanding what types of things they're doing and and what types of research they're doing really you find out a lot of that by by networking going to the the sda meetings sda have a a a conference each year every second year they share it with the exercise and sports sciences association so so really staying up to date through networking and going to those those meetings and through um sports dietitian australia is probably the best way to stay up to date yeah great yeah i've I heard some really good things about the recent sda conference i think it was last year and heard that that was a great networking opportunity for some of my colleagues. So what do you think are the future opportunities for accredited sports dietitians? Um, so things like, you know, areas of growth or areas where we can capitalize on our strengths? Well, I think the future is bright. I, I, I definitely think we need to be translating the evidence into practice. There's, um, you know, my experience working with sports is that we're, we're often underselling you know how big an impact sports nutrition can have and it's not just the impact of um, sports nutrition so it's not the impact of your um, sports drink or your caffeine supplement or or the actual uh, nutrient involved it's the impact of the sports dietitian the professional who understands the situation the setting the context has the skills to build rapport and um, relationships with athletes and other sports science professionals all of that goes into making an athlete perform better so I think we sometimes undersell the impact of that largely because we don't have the in practice evidence of what effect that is having so I really think if we can we can measure the effect our practice is having and then we can use that to um to show people that that we are having an impact and having a benefit, then I think that more and more opportunities will will open up. 
Okay, and that leads me to my last point. I thought to uh, to finish up, we could discuss how dietitians can be the leaders in sports nutrition, given the competition that's out there. Um, well, I don't know that we should see this as a competition. I think the fact that there are plenty of other people out there who potentially have influences on a on an athlete's food choices, there's really an opportunity for us to collaborate with those. I think um, a good way for sports dietitians or dietitians in general to show leadership is to put the athlete in the center and really sort of focus on strategies that that help an athlete to eat well and optimize their performance and and that may involve collaboration with a range of different people that that all have a significant influence on an athlete's food choices i think i think we can't ignore um the fact that um you know it's not just dietitians who influence athletes food choices there's a whole range of factors and i think if we see ourselves as competing with all of those things then it's not a, a it's not a positive way to do things i think we should we should engage and collaborate and see ourselves as um as being part of a team that is is focused on providing the best possible support motivation and encouragement for an athlete to eat well um i think the other thing is we've got to remember that sports nutrition practice and um, is not not just getting the advice right. I think one of the things that dietitians do have that is unique is that we have skills in food service, community and public health, as well as individual case management. And I think sometimes we overlook the fact that sort of good food service skills and also understanding social and environmental determinants of an athlete's food food intake and food choices, you know, can really make a huge difference, not just the the advice that we provide and and I think the food service and and community and public health stuff that we might do in the context of sports nutrition sometimes is a bit behind the scenes and you know if we're making sure that the the fridge in the gym is stocked with uh, appropriate recovery snacks and you know an, an athlete may not necessarily notice that that's that that's our work but it actually might be a much bigger contributor to whether or not they actually um, you know eat well to fuel their performance and and enhance their recovery and adaptation so I think we have to remember that we have a lot of different skills that all contribute to that team and and putting the athlete in the center and understanding how we can we can work with with other people and and everyone that's involved is really important look Michael thank you so much you've given us a really good insight into the sports nutrition area and also um, some good advice on how dietitians can get into the sports nutrition area so I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today it's been really fantastic to chat to you particularly given your expertise in this area and also your wealth of knowledge as to how we can can prepare ourselves in the future so thank you so much that's you're welcome kate i've really enjoyed it and for all of our listeners we'll have the key points of this episode as well as some additional resources available on our show notes and that will be at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, could you please write a review for us as well as pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends? And also, don't forget to subscribe to the Dietitian Connection podcast so that you can automatically download and listen to the new episode as it comes out and so that you don't miss out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.